This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to this Series 3, Episode 3 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Um, I hope that you've had a good week. I've had a really good week uh, and I hope that's how you feel too. The world's slowly starting to open up a little bit and the sun is shining, which always helps. It always helps. Uh, I'm just about to do some exercise on a Sunday. It's currently 11.38 on Sunday morning and uh, I'm doing my quick hello to you and sharing this week's interview. Oh, it's a brilliant one. I'll be sharing that shortly. Uh, but as ever, I've got my emails from oh, the lovely community that listened to this podcast. Thank you so much for all of you that get in touch. I'm always keen to receive um, emails from you, so please do. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. It's always delightful to get those emails. So if you've been thinking of sending one, please do. Um, as always, if people want to tweet about the show or Instagram about the show, I'm on both of those social media platforms or you can rate and review the show which is really helpful and I'd really appreciate but if you just want to listen that's okay as well okay let's start with a couple of listener emails hi Susie I absolutely love the podcast I only found it last week and I've been listening to them whilst playing Animal Crossing I've put the recommended books onto my to read list I've just listened to the Juno Dawson podcast as an aspiring writer and screenwriter from the same area that she grew up in it inspired me a lot I realised and came out as bisexual at 14 to my best friend, who also came out as gay the year before. We were each other's first person to come out to, and we stayed together through high school, as I didn't know any other LGBTQIA plus friends at my school. I loved seeing bisexual people in fiction, such as Rosa Diaz, John Constantine, Magnus Bain, etc. And I love and watch TV more than any other things. As a media student, it's great for me. Now at 21, I've realised I'm also non-binary. Listening to non-binary and bisexual guests have been really inspiring. I've only come out as non-binary to a few of my close friends at the moment. I'm still not sure how to explain it to my family and others, though the guests you've had on the show have made me smile that I can come out. I just need more courage, even though I know they'll be supportive, even if they don't understand. I cut my hair at 18 and did a topic at school where I was the only female in the class for three years. So many younger kids kept thinking I was a guy and others thought I was a girl and it didn't bother me at all. So I started researching stuff and three years later I've realised I am non-binary. Thank you for making the podcast. It's great to hear such varied stories and I have new books, films, TV and music to watch, listen and read. Sorry this email is so long. It's not at all. And that's from Morgan. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, I'm so pleased the podcast has helped you, I don't know, realise your identity or listening to some of the conversations have, have helped. And uh, that's all down to the brilliant people that come on the show. But thank you so much for reaching out to me and getting in touch. I'm so pleased that you enjoy the podcast so much. And I hope that you 
continue to as this series as this series goes on. Okay, let's have another this time from an ally. We've been receiving loads of emails from allies lately and I really, really appreciate it. And I wanted to share this one from Rachel. Hi Susie, enjoying the podcast. I really enjoyed the episode with Stephen Bailey. It's nice to know that even gay people can be unaware that the wider world isn't as accepting as your own little bubble. I'm a 30-year-old straight woman and growing up in Birmingham, I've had gay best friends since being 11. My family loved them all and loved all of their fabulousness. My nan asked me on a monthly basis if I was gay and always let me know that she'd love me. I think she was a bit disappointed that I wasn't. Because of just how normal and loved my friends were and going to gay bars and pride since being 15, gay was just an accepted thing. So listening to your podcast, it's been so lovely hearing everyone's positive stories, but it's also made me aware that I've probably lived in a rose-tinted glitter bubble. I'd never heard of Section 28, Stonewall, never considered the increased risk of homelessness and never even considered how it's illegal in other countries. It's pushing me to try and be a better ally and push my activism to help those beyond my own circle. Keep up the good work. Rachel. P.S. I'd love to hear from some older gay people who have some life experience. I absolutely agree with you, Rachel. I'm reaching out to those people. Hopefully there'll be more of that in this series. Uh, But thank you for getting in touch. I'm so pleased that Um, that hearing these stories on the podcast has made you realise that the fight for equality is still ongoing and it's so brilliant to have allies like you. So thank you for reaching out. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, let's get on to today's episode. Oh, I love Strictly. I love Johannes. He's absolutely brilliant. You'll hear in this, um, this interview ended up being one of those ones where basically I'm just trying to make him my best friend. And at the end of the podcast, he basically says that we are now. So... Oh, I loved chatting to him. I think he's so brilliant. I think this is a really special episode. I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Um, here it is, me and Johannes Khradabe. I am very excited to chat to today's guests. As you may know, I am a massive fan of Strictly Come Dancing and Johannes Khadabi just might be my favorite ever professional dancer. He's won the Professional South African Latin Championship twice. He was a professional dancer on the South African Strictly, Dancing with the Stars for two series, reaching the final on both occasions. His style, poise, elegance, and talent has made him a firm favorite, not just to me, but to millions across the country. Whether it's Latin, Borum, or commercial dance, Johannes always rises to the occasion and we all remember that number from Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Welcome to the show Johannes. How did I do with your name? Oh you, you did very well. I'm very Thank proud. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I always really want to get names right so Johannes Khadabi. Yes. And how how are you? I am fantastic. I'm just here and I'm loving life. Now you we were saying just before we started recording that you've been sort of in lockdown in London since before the Strictly series. So when does you start training for that? Like in September? August. August, right, okay. So um, Strictly left no stone unturned to get me in, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. I was depressed for that past five months before I came. I was just like, if I don't go back to the United Kingdom, I don't know, is it a nine to five for me? Because that, that that is highly the possibility, you know, given the prospects of dance back home. And I was just like, there's no way. I need to get out there and they did. And it has been lovely, but truth is I have been locked up since then till now. Yeah, that's quite a long time. Yeah. And so how was it doing Strictly during COVID? It was, I'm not gonna say it was weird. It was just different, you mm-hmm. know? Um, People kept on asking me, do you think the magic was gone, you know? Um, in that regard, I mean, 
you know, the audience as well, the people that loves the show, being part of it, you know, being part of the launch show, being paired up, you know, and being in the studio. From that perspective, it was a bit different. And yeah, it, we, we wished that things were a bit normal, but um, it was surprising because then you just saw the support among us. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Like, it, like I, I always watch Strictly, but usually I'm sort of catching up because I'm usually out working and gigging and doing shows and whatnot. And so I actually could watch it every week. And it felt like, I mean, I was like in WhatsApp groups where we were covering it. Like it felt like everyone was, it felt like everyone was watching it. It also felt like it really, and I feel sort of almost cringy saying this, but it did feel like it was really bringing people together. Like they need that. Strictly is such a joyful show, watching people learn to dance and then watching the professionals as well. It's so joyous that after the year we'd had, it just felt so brilliant. I mean, there's no way we could have we could have gone through 2020 without Strictly. And I mean, I know I'm, I speak for everybody when I say that. You do. You know, um, it, it was, yeah, it was for me, like even emotionally, like I mean, attached, like I was just saying to Caroline, I was like, babes, this has been the weirdest, but the loveliest, you know, a season. Mm. And, you know, I look at all those dancers and people that has been part of the show. I just feel like we can call those people frontliners of entertainment. <laughs> yes. Honestly, you know, to have held the show down until the finale, I was just like, it's only by grace. It's nothing else. You know what I'm saying? It's, it was incredible that it, that it happened. And, you know, I was down in Elstree shooting something else and I could hear the Strictly Choir and I was like oh my god I'm almost here and I knew like on a, on a different day I might have like tried to nip my head around the door to see but I thought I will literally be like I don't know if you've seen Monsters Inc but when they get like a baby in and they like throw it out of the room that would have been me trying to get into the Strictly Ballroom <laughs> it was tight no. <laughs> no it was tight I mean they had everything in place you know to make sure that everybody was safe that was also the amazing thing so when you talk about, you were saying about home, I mean, do you really mean that if you had been at home, you might have had to consider getting a nine to five? I really, oh, I really do, you know. So, so first of all, home is South Africa. Yeah. And whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in a small township called Zamdela. That's where everything started from, you know, um, and I still go back there. Is that where you stay when you're home? Yeah. So mum, you know, I, 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 had a, I took a lease out on an apartment and I had to give it up obviously coming here. Um, but I took everything back to my mom's and she's just thrilled that I'm back home. You know, anything to have me back home. So, and also, I also take the advantage too, because I never get to spend much time at home. So when I'm there, it's mostly for a month at most, you know? So I really go to my neighbors. I really connect in that regard because <laughs> I am nothing without those people, you know? And they, it's their well wishes, obviously, that I think has gotten me this far as well. So. It's always nice to go back home and just touch base and then come back with more oomph, if you get it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I totally get that. So were you always dancing? Yes. Looking back at it now, I see it. Like there was, <laughs> they used to have this, I don't know if you know her, Miriam Makeba, we call her Mama Africa, and she sang a song in the name of Amapondo. And I would go into a whole thing. And I didn't even know where I learned this from, but it used to be a performance. And they really, you know, when, when the dancing thing then came out, because in that time, there was a dancing school happening, opening up in, in one of the recreation halls. And we found, you know, it's like, it's like anything new that arrives in the location. 
there's a soccer team opening up. We all there playing soccer, you know. So because we've always prayed, we're outdoorsy, you know. In mm-hmm. That we did. Our parents allowed us to play. And was there like a real sense of community? Definitely, it's that to say if you, you can't make a mistake. You can't think that your parents are not around. So I can, I can <laughs> everybody's a parent in the location. You understand? Know? So right. I'm, yeah. We was like, hey, I'm gonna tell your mother. So we know each other in that regard. So and also to get away from other things that could have influenced one, you know, in a in a negative way. Mum was happy that I had I had this dancing thing to go to because mm-hmm. then there were people that you know that looked after us when we were there. So it was it was honestly a very much protected space. And I don't know whether I sound really ignorant asking this, Mm-mm. but was it you saying like your mum was very happy for you to be somewhere yeah. where she knew where you were, people were looking out for you. Is that because the area was quite dangerous? Yeah, you know what, you say dangerous. I mean, now that I've all, um, you know, one has traveled, you understand that, that it's everywhere. And, you know, in South Africa now, people are fighting this gender-based violence, you know, against women and children. And you know that these things are happening. There's drugs, there's there's all that, there's gangsterism, you know, it's, and, and, and unfortunately it's, it's, it's heightened in those places because that's where lack is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and I think you're absolutely right. It's everywhere. I mean, I think that had I, and people that listen to the show will be like bored of me talking about this, but I grew up doing like singing, dancing, musical theater, like just all of it. And Mm. it first of all gave me an outlet, but second of all gave me somewhere to be Mm. like as a teenager, like where am I, what else am I going to do? I've got like a shift in a, in a pub doing waitressing once a week and the rest of the time. So I just loved having a place to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, also dance was obviously for a flamboyant young boy like me, was also my you know place of refuge. If I wasn't at school, if I wasn't at home, I would be at, at dance practice, and it it, it 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 obviously shielded me from all the other nonsense that could happen around it. But most of it, you know, between me and you, bullying, and I, I do believe that that's a learned behavior, which is you know which which when you look at it, then you understand how far it goes. Because I always say that it's going to take a generation, and then it's, it's, it, I, I don't mean it in any way, but I do believe that it's going to take a generation to go for people being allowed to, to be who they are. It's unfortunate for me to say that, but that's the truth. And, 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 and yeah, I'm just at that point where I was just like, it's, it's, it's time now. It's time. It's time we, we move past so many things. Yeah, for sure. And so how old were you when you first went to these dance lessons? I'm sure you've told these stories a hundred times, but I want to know. <laughs> so I was about seven, you know, and, and because of lack of knowledge around the, the art form, you know, and also the financial burden on, the, on my parents, you know, it was just like, it's either we eat or we pay for your dance shoes. Like, you know, it's not only dance shoes, you have to travel to these competitions, you have to look good when you go there, you have, you know, it was all this. So the prospects of it happening, you know, it left me going back and, you know, and, and on and off for longest of time until, until I started getting compliments, you know, encouragement. And knowing that you were good at something. At something, you know, and, 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 and people didn't laugh at me when I was doing that, you know, instead they... They admired, if you so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, absolutely. It didn't come from the children as much. It came from the elderly, like my teachers. You know, you know when they say, "Oh, this is beautiful. It's lovely. You must continue doing it." So that kept me going eventually. And, and yeah, it was soon when I started winning provincial colours. 
Yeah. And so were you doing sort of ballroom and Latin? That was ballroom and Latin. So you were one of those tiny little, <laughs> tiny little boys with like an, am- yeah, an amazing straight back. I mean, unfortunately for the listeners, you can't see that I am, I'm, I'm trying to show Johannes that I have a great line. And that's what I'm trying to get across in this interview, if nothing else. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but you were one of those little ones. I was that one just... of those little ones. I was, yeah, I mean, still, because I consider myself an introvert, but every time I had an opportunity to, to, to perform, I, mm-hmm. I ate it up, you know, but also there were people that I used to watch then, you know, thank God for my coach because he would play this VCR and like, this is Brian Watson, he's from Durban and he's going off to be a world champ. This is them, you know, somebody, you know, she's, she, she's black, you know, so that means that you can also be, you, you know, and, and, and that's how they, they, they kept, and I, I applaud them now because I'm actually on a, you know, I just want to go back and thank them because I just feel like, one is where I'm celebrating everything that people has has just been, you know, contributing towards. It's not only me that has made it to to this point. Yeah, and and seeing representation of people like you must have been a huge part of. Because when I think of the ballroom sort of scene in the UK, certainly like you know, let's say like ten years ago, it would be so white. And it would be so, and obviously, you know, you weren't in the UK, but it must have been amazing to see people that look like you excelling. Absolutely. And being applauded and being part of something. Absolutely. But but, but you're saying it's, 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 it's 10 years ago, unfortunately it's still happening. There's still so much lag, I can't begin to tell you. And my mission now is to make boom and Latin American dancing accessible to to everybody because I also understand with besides the education, it's people being able to afford the sport. You understand what I'm saying? If if there's ways that we can combat that and honestly, just I think we will we will see magic. Because where I come from, there's so many Johannes's and OTs of the world. I mean it's not only us. There's a there is <laughs> it, you, of course. You understand. And it's so good for like everyone people that are listening that have never like I've danced a bit but people even know when they're in when they're at a party when they're with their friends dancing with people does something for your soul like it lifts you like even like in lockdown my girlfriend and I like we put on a bit of Carol King and have a dance around the lounge and it does something to you doesn't it no definitely I mean we South Africans babe we dance when we cry we dance when we happy we, you know, we dance when to, to be, we celebrate. I don't know. It's just dance is such. I, and I said, everybody can dance for my country. It's the funniest thing you must see. But I'm just, I can't wait for the world to also tap into that and understand that there's a that, that you know it's it's for everybody. And that's the thing. I would love to see a lot more people of color doing this because I just feel like they haven't been given opportunity if you get what I'm saying and of course yeah. and isn't, isn't that more interesting if we get more different types of how exciting is that oh. if there's more different types of people doing oh. different things and so what was so you were going to dancing um I'm guessing like a few times a week and you were becoming this little boy with amazing poise mm-hmm. but what was school like school was interesting school was interesting Earlier on, you know, the dancing thing did not help as well. You know, it just obviously brought forward who I really, really am. So you find, you found that, you know, as much as I didn't even know what, what was going on or what was being, I didn't comprehend. I knew that 
there was something different about me in that regard. So that was that was my school experience. So I used to hide in the corridors. Really? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, look out for a teacher and and make sure that I walk behind them, stuff like that. Because firstly, you didn't want to be to be ridiculed. You didn't want to be called names. You know, and if there was an adult there, you would hope that they would call them out. You know, and you, because it's it's just not nice. I, it's just, it was just brought to my attention that. I was very different during my primary and my secondary schooling. It was it, in that regard, I didn't enjoy it as much. I could have been brilliant, I, I, I think, but because it was not enjoyable, I just didn't care to put as much effort, you know, like I, like, like, like I could have. It takes an amount of confidence even to, you know, to excel in an academic way, to push yourself. Absolutely. And I mean, I struggled as well to apply myself fully because of the dancing. You know, I used to I used to dance championship level from primary school already. So that means that I had to put in the hours to also be excellent there. And what I did was though, because my aunt and my mother insisted on it, was to pass every every grade. It, it didn't have to be straight A's, but I had to pass. You know, um, and <laughs> there was no way I could disappoint because you know I would I would somehow I would not get what I want, and that is obviously money to go to these competitions, you know, a, a new outfit and stuff like that. So and were you traveling all over South Africa at this point? It, so that's expensive. It, it, so you, you found, and that's the thing, you know, you had a lot of people that would contribute, you know, my teachers would make patients and ruffles and we would dance in the streets and we would invite the people and they would contribute as much as they had and we'd take that and we would send like me, I would be, I'm, well, I, I was dancing, highest section amongst all of them so they will send me as a representative to them you understand even with with dance lessons they used to fundraise for me and then i will take that money go learn from a qualified teacher and bring it back to them and teach them from a very young age that's how we used to work oh wow yeah <laughs> this whole system of making it work they must be they must be so proud of you now <laughs> it's crazy it really really is crazy when i go back home it really yeah do people lose it? Are they like, oh, you're here, you're here. We all lose it because it's just, it's surreal. I mean, it's always a thing. Like, I mean, my township, my people, they humble me. You know, when I go back to South Africa and I go back to, to, to my location, it's there to say, you know, there's no, there's no delivery. There's no need for you to be wearing your Prada shoes because where you walk into, <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's those kind of things and you, you just, you just get what life is all about, you know, and that is people. For sure. And so at what point did you start realizing, you know, I know that you said, oh, well, I knew that I was this flamboyant little boy, but at what point did you realize, oh, maybe there's something as well as the flamboyance? <laughs> you know, was there, was there a specific moment or was it always sort of, did you always know? Susie, I don't, I've always known. And I know it's the funniest thing to say, but I've always known, but of course when it dawned on me that I've really, because even until my, 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 my teenage years, I was 17, 18, I was still trying to date girls. Ooh, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that go in your Prada shoes? <laughs> I turned up to be really good friends with these people. I mean, until today we're still friends, you understand what I'm saying? And yet it's like, even when we, when I got into this relationship, because I was, I, I was in a relationship with my dance partners, and it was just easier because you know, call it whatever you want to call it back then. But 
we were more friends than anything. And but I knew that I pref- I would have preferred my friend, you know, who who is a gen for a guy at the time. You know, I I I, I knew that, but I I wasn't I didn't have the confidence because because of the shame attached to my lifestyle. It took me until I got here to this country to to fully, like I said, I said, me dancing with that pair of heels on national television in 2019 was my coming apart to the world. Because then it said to my uncles that live far away from me and my extended family that I've never obviously had an opportunity to sit down after all these years and say, hey, um, there is no children coming. So stop asking me those silly questions to say, when is the child coming? When is the wife? Because they look at me and they think I'm a success. And the only thing that I'm missing is a wife and children. So every family gathering I would go to, I'm expect, you know, it's expected of the elders to, to sit me down and ask, so where the, when, where, when and how, and you're just like, I oh, know it's not happening. You know, and I've never ever had obviously the confidence to say to them, listen, this is a situation, but also growing up and just understanding this whole thing, understanding I'm still in the process of coming to terms with it. I just feel like I don't have to explain myself to people. You know, I don't think my sister's gone off to say, listen, I bonk men. And the one person that understands and that gets it, I set her down last year, mommy, that was the first time I said to her, mommy, I'm gay. And, you know, and I said, it, it, I just wanted us to have this conversation for me to say these words to you so that I think, you know, she, she said to me, Joe, I've always known, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a relief. That was a, that was a massive relief for me because then it just meant that because, you know, she was always asking, who are you with? I'm alone in the apartment. Who do you think I'm with? Do you understand what I'm saying? So now she knows, you know, that moving forward, there'll be so a brother that will look after me and probably love me as much as she does. So, yeah, babe. I think that you're right. That moment of on Strictly, of it being, I mean, obviously this year in the, well, last year rather, in the UK version, we had the first same-sex couple. And I think that the power of that, I think it's, I think it's huge. If I think of me at home watching and seeing folks like me, it would have been huge. It really would have been huge. And I think that, like, I imagine you don't realize how many people are watching that. And do you know what? It might not just not be kids. There might be an older gay guy who has wanted his whole life to feel represented, you know? And I feel like that's something that the show does. But I think there's, there's certain numbers that you've done. I think that's been really special. Uh, thank you, Susie. I can't tell you. You know, you do something that you love and you hope in the process, you know, you can you can elevate. I always say, as an entertainer, I've always understood that about performance and stuff. So it was never about about a course or being an activist or anything of that sort for me, you know. And when I was placed in this position, I was just very humbled by the love I got back. And that is why I said, ever coming to this country, I, I, I felt, I, I honestly feel liberated to do and it's it's from it's from the people as much as there's been a few complaints um there's been enormous amount of love pouring in and i think that unfortunately there'll always be dicks on twitter <laughs> i mean i think that's just i mean and whether that's people dming you or yeah. whatever else there will <laughs> always be <laughs> it's those words and i just wish i could reply to them and say listen yeah uh... <laughs> you don't know me, you know. Uh, but it's 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 fine. They're trolls, and that's where we leave we leave them behind. 
Exactly. Um, but I think yeah. that it's about that visibility. You know, obviously activism needs to happen and some people really want to do that. And that is amazing. And I am very aware that activists have paved the way for me to live my life in a very out and open way and be someone that is sometimes on telly and I can be myself and I can talk about my partner and talk about my life. But I think it's about that visibility of just our experience being, I kind of hate the word, but normal. And the same as everyone else's. And we have, you know, my partner and I have similar arguments to what our straight friends have. It's really, I just like everyone's body parts to match. That's all it is. I'm like, you've got boobs. I've got boobs. I know how to do this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you, darling. Well put. I can't tell you. So what was it like when you were asked to come and do... Because is the obviously the British Strictly here is huge. Is it known around the world for dancers? It's huge around the world. Every yeah. Latin dancer aspires to be part of the show. You understand what I'm saying? So I've been on yeah. the radio for three years since I was in the West, in the West End, uh, doing a show called Burn the Floor. That's when I jumped onto their radar. And I'm like, oh, who's that? But three years I waited. Three years I waited for that. And... Not to say that I just I just left at it because I left West End. I went on the ships. I, I you know I, I went back to South Africa to do Dance with the Stars. I crafted because I just thought to myself, if it does come, it comes. If it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't. You know, I better make sure that wherever I was at the time, I was great. And that's that's how I always approach everything that I do. You know, because. You know, someone was asking me how I'm coping with lockdown. Have I picked up any hobbies? No, I haven't. I've just been taking it day by day. And that has been my life, honestly. And that's how this came. And I was just like, Lord, it's a welcome surprise. I say surprise because I understand the blessing and I understand it's a huge opportunity. Could have been anybody else, but how? So what was that moment like when you got, did you get a phone call? Did you, like, how, where were you? What happened? Because this is like, because I've read, like, obviously I've read stuff about you and I've read a couple of articles about you and different things. And you say, like, it was, it's been the highlight of your, of your dance career. But I'm interested in, and I always ask actors that get massive roles this as well. Like, what was that moment like where, where were you when you got the call? I was in South Africa. It was on my birthday. <gasps> I was sitting with a friend of mine and I was contemplating taking a job in Australia and I was saying to him, I said, it's, it's, I, I said what am I going to do in Australia? Like, I don't want to go to Australia. Like, I love Australia, but no. And, and I was honestly on the verge of saying yes. And my phone rang. It was actually an agent that I... That, that, that I had at the time and was like, I just want to congratulate you because Strictly wants you to come. I, you can imagine, no, see, because I had a meeting with these people like six months prior to that and it was a lady, Louise Rainbow and Joe Wallace and, you know, very British, very professional, very, and you know, our South Africans, ah! There was none of that in that meeting. It was very, you know, it, it was very, I was like, I don't know if they like me. You know, I went home thinking it's not going to happen. And it, honestly, I, first thing I called my mom, I was like, mommy, it's happening. And I think we both cried. I mean, even hmm. thinking about it, it makes me... I'm, like, I'm, I'm welling up here, so I'm like, that's fine. 
No, I think we cried because we both, we, we would sit. I mean, even how I got into it is so funny because my mom, I, I saw a friend of mine do this other conversion and I used to beat him. So I came back from my, from, my, from my world travels. I got home and my mom was like, oh, sweetie, come dancing with on television. And look who's, who, look who's on it. I was like, oh, I'm better than him. He was like, yeah, no, if you think you're better than him, you should be there. And that's where it, she left it with me. And that's how, you know, it, the interest, it started in South Africa. I used to reference to the show. So me and mom would watch the British season in South Africa and go, oh, look, it's Anton. So it's, <laughs> to, you know, to get an opportunity to come to the UK and work with those people that you, that you referenced to and aspired to be, it's mind blowing. I used to look at their tangles and think, oh my gosh, this is what I should do. So were you choreographing in your head while you were watching absolutely, it? Absolutely. I mean, they have, I've taken from each and every one of them and to be in the same room with them now is honestly, I can't tell you, inexpressible feeling. I can't tell you how it feels like. It's just amazing. It must be so fun. Because I've got friends that have done the show and they're like, Proper. it's fun. It's really fun. And that's what it should be, Sue. It should be, we should be allowed to dance. And especially if whoever you want to, you know, and I just feel like it's, it's this, this past couple of years has been about that. You know, it's been about making everybody feel a part of this because it's something that we're all supposed to enjoy. So it's it's my time that it's, it's gotten to this point. Mm. And do you, have you in your career, have you danced much with men? Do you like dancing with another guy? Listen, traditionally ballroom Latin is, was designed around a male and a female. But when yeah. you look at the history of dance and when you look at other dance genres, you know, if you were doing contemporary, there's nothing about female and male. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no. it's someone leading and someone, someone following. following. And that's what it is. That's what it boils down to. And if, if we're going to take it there, then, but I personally just believe that dancing is dancing. And for the fact that we've come a long way, I just feel like we live in different times. We live in a progressive society and people should catch up. Yes, for sure. I completely agree. I completely agree. And so I'm coming towards um, the... So actually, one thing I would like to talk to you about, I mean, you mentioned briefly about the, the trolls and stuff. Is there much homophobia? And I'm guess Maybe it's really ignorant of me to guess there isn't because I assume there's a lot of gay dancers. But is there homophobia within the dance sort of community or is it very welcoming? It is very welcoming. I... I, I say that because I just think that whoever is there for the love of dance, that should, that doesn't matter. And I'm, I've been very blessed to be surrounded by individuals who are woke. You're, you'll find it everywhere you go. And so somebody is, is, is always ready to attack. And, and I know we're not all designed to, to deal with these things, you know, and it takes a knock on everybody differently. But my, my getting back to them, with all that was being was being untouchable. Hey, you go ahead, you mock me, you you say, you you I'll show you. It was that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because mm. And do you think that's really driven you? Oh definitely. It's it's what made me who I am today. Mm. I was constantly I was constantly not trying to prove myself or anything of that sort, but I was just like, this is the one thing that I will do and I will excel at. Yeah. Um, oh, I've loved talking to you. I'm just going to ask you one more question, which is what I ask absolutely everybody at the end of the show. And it's sort of, what advice would you give a version of yourself or like a younger person? And I can't help but think of 
you know, the little boy that you told me about that your mum and dad were working out whether they could pay for dance classes and then maybe, you know, having to follow that teacher at school so that you wouldn't get any shit off the other pupils. And if you could like pick up a phone and give him some encouragement or give him some words of wisdom about what's to come. Or maybe there's a, a young person listening to this right now who really aligns themselves with your story. If you could give them a bit of encouragement about what's to come, what would you say? Oh, Susie, I would say be yourself. There's nothing to fear. It all works out in the end and the world will adjust. So it's, it's important that you, you live your truth, your authentic truth. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's, there's, there's nothing enlightening about shrinking. There's a story that goes, there's nothing enlightening about shrinking. So don't do that to yourself. You know, if you feel like coming out and being a pom-pom and being whatever you want to be, you, you do it, especially in these times now, given the fact that I hope that the world, we, from moving forward, we move with compassion. I just hope that people are allowed to be themselves and nobody should ever feel shame for who they are. A perfect way to end the podcast. I now am looking forward to really taking you into my friendship group, whether you like it or not. Oh, babes, babes, dad, it's done. It's this was organized, I was like, she's my best friend. <laughs> That's perfect. That really works for me too. That was a brilliant episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Ah, oh, see, he said we can be best friends. I'm so chuffed about that. Please join me next week for more Out With Susie Ruffle. I'll repeat the email. If you want to get in touch with me, please do. It's hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. I always want to hear from you. You have a brilliant week and I'll see you next week. Well, I won't see you. I'll be talking to you, but I'll be there. I'll be there next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.